No Joe Crilly this week, which means we're short on a Bolton expert and an odds expert and a quinoa expert. Very much like when the Millwall fan had to run the line at the weekend. This is the Totally Football League Show. While Joe's ho-ho-hoing it at the first awards of the Christmas season, insert something nice here because he's invited us to, we're flying two up on the good ship Football League, all tinsel and sparkle, the man for all occasions that pay. Footballer turned journalist Adrian Clark is here. <laughs> Hello. And stick him on top of the tree and rub his halo, the Wrangell angel of the show, former <laughs> footballer turned journalist Sam Parkin. Good morning, Caroline. And I'm only here for the mince tarts. Welcome then to a parallel universe. Neil Ardley has gone to Notts County and Sol Campbell is in talks with Sol... Oh, no, not with Sol Campbell. He probably is in talks with himself. He's in talks with Macclesfield, both of which you should both comment on right now. Uh, Neil Ardley, I, th- I thought he needed a holiday and a long one at that. So I know he's still in um, Dubai or somewhere sunny, watching on as Notts County got themselves a point at the weekend. But yeah, a bit surprised he's gone back in. But um, Neil Ardley's done a great job for AFC Wimbledon. And yeah, I could see him going in there and certainly motivating a few. But I think Notts County, the crisis club, you know, for me, just look at their position in the... Uh, the tier of football they're playing at the moment, I think it's going to be very difficult to turn them around. I thought it was with Harry Kuehl going in there and I feel the same with Neil Ardley. Yeah, I wonder how he sold the club to, to Neil Ardley because he's, Alan Hardy was talking about the wage bill, how high it is, how it you know, belongs upper echelons of League One and that they'll have to be cutbacks in January. Well, I'm telling you now, if they have cutbacks in January, then they're in even bigger trouble than, than what they are now. So, But he I, knows all that, right? So he's, yeah, he's it, gone into there, as you say, eyes open. Managers want to be busy. They want to be in a job. You can easily be forgotten as a manager the longer you're out. He's been given a chance straight away to come back in. I don't think he could turn it down. He might have been sat there waiting for the phone to ring for a year, Neil Ardley. So I think he, he had to take it. Wish him well. Uh, yeah, I, I don't agree with the fact that Kiel wasn't given longer, but 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 there you go. And yeah, Neil Ardley's well equipped for the job, isn't he? As for Sol, <laughs> let's just just pause on Sol Campbell for a moment because that deliciousness can come up a bit later in the show. We are also going to hear from Luton boss Nathan Jones. I asked for questions on social media, and Barca Jim says a really edgy presenter would see how many Banana Rama songs they could work into a one-hour podcast. The state I'm in, Jim, I'll need time out for that one. Maybe next time we'll prove we're a cut above the rest if I don't throw it all away. What a shambles. Uh, Let's continue, shall we? You're listening to the Totally Football League show in association with William Hill. For all the latest odds in the footballing world, check out williamhill.com or download the app. And if you don't spot something you fancy, why not tweet at William Hill using the hashtag YourOdds for your very own personalised bet. 18 plus only, be gambleaware.org and when the fun stops, stop. Into the championship, first off. Tight at the bottom, tight at the top. For now, though, the new manager bounce, he's not quite new at the moment. He's top. Dean Smith, revolution, continuing in the derby. Villa 4-2 winners over Birmingham. They're eighth, just four off the playoffs now. Norwich, top of the league, thanks to a 4-1 thumping at Swansea. Wins for Middlesbrough in second, Leeds in third. West Brom a fourth, but they were temporarily second after beating Ipswich on Friday. The delight of which you saw... Sam Park in Ipswich 1 West Brom 2 Paul Lambert after that said I said to the lads sometimes people say the table doesn't lie well it does lie at times does it? Uh, I don't think so at the moment firstly I've already said to Adrian but I love going back to my old club because the first time I've been back in I think 13 years and I left under a bit of a cloud so great to be back and, and covering a game from the uh, the gantry I was really surprised actually at how limp the performance was from Ipswich having seen Paul Lambert in the press uh, try and galvanise the supporters it was a really big gate he'd had former legends at the training ground he'd had supporters groups everything was in place for a real performance and I just saw a real lack in belief and confidence and couldn't see for life where they were going to get a goal from Uh, and West Brom obviously with this altered style in recent weeks caused them so many problems in the first half Matt Phillips in particular all these ball carriers they've got, players that can run with the ball and drive the team up the pitch on the counter-attack. Ipswich really struggled. Better in the second half just because some energy and some more bodies in the box, which got the crowd up. But I think this is going to be a really desperate month for Ipswich. January cannot come quick enough. I mean, that that is tough, right? Because as you say, if it had everything set up to start doing yeah. well, it was that one game under the floodlights. And then for it not to happen, Ipswich 
bottom of the table. Uh, did those some favours, sort of, because after they lost, second bottom Hull did, while third bottom and fourth bottom Bolton and Millwall drew with each other. So <laughs> it's already far enough away from them. Ipswich down the bottom on 11 points and then 16, 17, 17, 17, 19. But it is all a little bit tighter and has squeezed up there. Should we head to the top? Villa 4, Birmingham Two, someone, Adrian Clark, I am looking at you, but I'm thinking of Sam Parkin, I recorded this one, went to watch it back when he got home from his Sunday lunch, and you started it where? Well, it was 3-2. Oh, yeah, so you gave up. I, I was still hopeful there was going to be about six goals in the remaining time, but I was uh, treated to Alan Hutton's uh, beautiful goal. What a goal. But we shouldn't have been surprised because he got one similar against Hull, I think, earlier on in the season. So it's not just a flash in the pan. No, it, yeah, it was a, it was a great goal, wasn't it? And obviously, it, it sparked that social media line, wasn't it? Hut, Hutton dressed as Lama. I loved that. That was great. Yeah, Villa. I mean, it showcased the clash of styles, didn't it? Really, in terms of, I think Villa had three times as many passes, and, and uh, you know that Birmingham's passing was really poor. Didn't really keep hold of it. I think Birmingham need to improve on that side of the game. Really, obviously, they, you know, what they do well is get the front two in the game, and they and they create chances, and they're a handful up top. But they need a bit more than that if they're going to, to push for the playoffs. So so it showed lim- uh, Birmingham's limitations, I think, that game. Villa, lovely football. But what I really like about them under Dean Smith is they're really using the width, the width mm. of the pitch excellently. Adoma and, and Codger. Doma, I thought, uh, produced some great ammo. So, so yeah, onwards and upwards for Villa. And, and a great moment when, when Jack Grealish scored. Uh, I know he dedicated, it to, dedicated a goal to, to his uh, baby brother that passed away from cot death uh, when he was only four so um, it was an emotional day for him but yeah great great derby win for Villa and I think they, they genuinely got a chance of, of going up this season There's a, a really interesting piece by um, Gab Sutton the Football Lab on social media who talks about Gary Monk's side being marginally better in, in the first sort of half an hour but then goes on to say that Dean Smith has taken the emotion away from Villa so his his calm demeanour despite everything you'd expect from a from a local derby mm. he just took that sucked that out of the game in the run up to it during the game itself and it seemed to have calmed all the, the younger lads down Yeah he, he straight batted all the questions before the game the emotive side of it given that he's a, a Villa fan and all his supporters just another three points he spoke about I thought it was a really good performance, actually. Had everything, really, for a, a derby game. Both teams, I think, missed vital players, even though it was a great advert for the championship. McGinn, I think, still that pace, uh, the industry more, the pace of the passing in midfield was lacking. And, and Birmingham, obviously, Magoma only fit enough to be a substitute and, and Jota, a huge miss for them. Just giving them other facets mm. alongside those two brilliant strikers that they've got that Adrian spoke about. For me, I wanted to highlight Abraham because... I've probably I've watched Tammy all through his development stage and I think because of his height and his athleticism you've got to have more than just being a goal scorer if he's going to make it to the higher echelons of the game and he's showing that he's a more rounded striker now yeah. Danny Higginbottom spoke about it pre-match about the way that he drags centre-halves out of positions for the likes of Grealish and that was evident from the first whistle so I'm really, really confident now about Tammy's future that he could potentially have a career at the highest level. The reason I wanted to mention Ipswich and then go into Villa and now mention Swansea 1, Norwich 4 is if you look at those three different managers, Lambert, I guess, can learn from Dean Smith and the impact that he's made. You can visibly see the tweaks that he's made tactically on the pitch and how he's lifted players. And then in in Farker and Norwich, you've got a manager who... We spoke about maybe he went through a bit of a wobble, but now Norwich, six league games on the spin that they've won and beating Swansea 4-1, they've just got that little bit right at the right time, which is normally quite a stodgy time of the year for results. Well, four goals they've scored in, in the last three games. I mean, that tells you all you need to know, really. Uh, they've got competition for places in right across the pitch, particularly in midfield and forward areas, and that's definitely driving up standards. Um, I was actually speaking to the father of one of Norwich's scouts, the scout that identified the Argentine player, Emi uh, Buendia, who scored the goal um, or scored a good goal from a turnover against Swansea. And they were just saying that it was just really interesting to hear about the lengths they go to. You know, go and watch these players seven, eight times. So much time and effort and you and you, you get to know the player a little bit. They they, they were aware of, of Norwich's interest from 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 way back. And they got to know him, you know, as a, as a character before. And he wasn't really wanted by Getafe. He's come in, didn't get a game at the start. Got his chance now and he's scoring goals, he's making goals. real, real talent. And, and that one point something million that, that Norwich spent, 
probably be you know times it by 10 mm. uh, and and that's and that's what can happen and that's that's why clubs like Norwich and, and others obviously they, they spend so much on their scouting I think one of the finds of the season in terms of Buendia what he's producing and they were aided by Swansea as they were by Sheffield Wednesday a few weeks ago defensively presenting the ball to, to Norwich for a few of those early goals I mean 3-0 up in the first half and Cemented the victory with Pukki's 11th of the season. I mean, yeah, an- another revelation that he's turned out to be. And I think that just gives a good footballing team even more confidence that they've got the strikers that are guaranteeing you goals in the championship. Not only Pukki, but Rhodes to come off the bench as well. But certainly Buendia deserving of um, some headlines at the weekend. Five goals in his last three in the championship for Pukki, which, as you say, is just helping Norwich at the moment. Um, We're rattling through this because Nathan Jones is coming up in League One in just a bit. But Preston 4, Blackburn 1. Really tough news for Callum Robinson and and Preston this week, their top goal scorer. Could have surgery and a hamstring injury, keep him out for a minimum of three months. He's been impressive for them. It's it's, got to be a bad one. You don't often need surgery on on a hamstring. So so that is definitely concerning. I mean, he's the player who's had the most shots per game in the championship. He's a real live wire. He's quick. He gives them that that added dimension, doesn't he, uh, Callum Robinson? So they're going to miss him big time. But there's a number of good performances in this in this match. I thought Alan Brown was was great. He scored one. I think he made a couple. Ben Pearson was bigged up, wasn't he, by Alex Neal afterwards, mm. saying he's one of the best players in his position. I, I make him right. He's a, he's a really dogged central midfielder. And there was a great line. I pinched this from the the local paper up there in Lancashire. It says the Pearson Bradley Dak battle was a mass of flowing locks, facial hair and aggression, which the North End man won hands down. <laughs> That's a really good line. And, uh, and I can imagine, obviously I didn't see the 90 minutes, but but yeah, Pearson against Dak, I, I, I would have liked to have seen that in the flesh. The other thing to add on this one is, is that at 2-1, Preston, they lost Robinson. Do they, are they going to protect what they've got? Make a defensive substitution? No. He went bold, he went attacking and they went on a 1-4-1. So, so well done, Alex Neal. Lots of other things we could talk about in the championship, but I may not allow it. Rotherham 2, Sheffield United 2, namely just because Chris Wilder said afterwards, we just thought we could stroll in here for an easy day. It's not been a good day for us. He was on good form, at least, if his team weren't at the weekend. And Millwall won, Bolton won. The referee would have seen this taken ill the assistant got a calf injury and then a fan runs the line uh, the quote from Phil Parkinson afterwards saying it was quite strange a Millwall supporter who was the fourth official and we were having a laugh with him because their keeper made a great save he couldn't help himself jumping up and applauding uh, he said after the 1-1 draw so we said hold on a minute you've got to be impartial and the next minute he ends up running the line this is a tough place for officials anyway but he kept his integrity and he did a good job to have that moment as a fan to run the line I've seen it a couple of times in, yeah. in non-league has happened but yeah. well I've run the line for, for my boys team when he was younger and, Were you and, and, and well I, I was always one of these parents that, that was quietly fuming about the opposition linesman and I would always be questioning their integrity so when I did it I probably went the other way and almost like let off certain offside decisions that, that I could have put that, that were marginal no 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 no. as in I went against my boys team yeah, so I didn't want to I didn't want to be seen well if it was a tight call I would, <laughs> I would err on that side but yeah fair play because I mean, if he's a proper Millwall fan, it must have been quite tempting to, to cheat. I, I've now disparaged your good name, yeah. um, which isn't something well. I do regularly. Uh, Bolton, first goal in 378 minutes. Is there anything else in the Championship either of you would like to talk about while I try and dig myself out of an Adrian Clark shaped hole? Um, Forest, I think, going about their business quietly. Holding yeah. on Nottingham Forest too? I think we anticipated them being defensively very good this season and that's starting to be really evident under Karanka, but I think what's different from Karanka's Middlesbrough and Karanka's Forest is that there's pace and there's goals yeah. you know certainly in the two that got them at the weekend um, helped a great deal by some really bad <laughs> defending from uh, Hull for the first one and uh, Hull actually they took off Chris Martin and replaced with Kevin Stewart who was that young good midfield player from, from Liverpool now at Hull so took off a striker put on a midfielder to try and get a bit more control in the middle of the park but to no avail at all and, and Forest 
got that solidity in the midfield with Jakob and uh, Colback who are playing shield in the back four. So defensively, they're going to be very strong moving forward, but have got goals as well. So I think good shout for the playoffs. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Middlesbrough, we, we haven't given them a lot of love this year, but I mean, still only nine goals conceded, six from open play. Pretty awesome. Tavernier came in and, and, and took his chance with a goal, which was which terrific. I just want a quick mention for uh, QPR, actually. Uh, Angel Rangel. I mean, it's one of the reactions of the weekend, wasn't it, where Steve McLaren was was fuming, wasn't he, that he actually scored a goal because he was saying, what's he doing up there? Um, I paraphrase. <laughs> but Angel Rangel, is, he's got to go down, I think, as one of the best sort of overseas imports that we've had in, in a... In a funny kind of way do you know what I mean he, yeah, yeah. He, he's obviously not, not a guy that makes a lot of headlines but he was a brilliant servant for Swansea and he's doing a great job for, for QPR two good goals from two terrific assists from, from your man Easy who's, uh, who's having a great season not only a good player Rangel but the best interviewee ever Colin Murray couldn't get him off no. at the weekend <laughs> I was, he was digging into uh, all kinds of late night Quest TV <laughs> which we all love Stoke <laughs> to QPR2 for that one. Uh, talking of love, there is a moment right now that's going to make your week at the knees. It's the odds, but it's with producer Abby. Hello. <laughs> the poshest. I thought Joe Crilly was posh. Uh, then, then comes quinoa with uh, some truffle on top. Abby. It's the best kind of quinoa. Well, with truffle on top. Indeed. No, so Leeds, they actually are still favourites for the title. Leeds, Seven- Leeds, Leeds. Leeds, 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 to give them their full name. Still favourites for the title, 7-2, but it is Norwich close behind at 4-1 with Borough hot on their heels at 5-1. Sammy, you've said Forest for the playoffs. They are 6-1 to one for promotion and uh, we've just been speaking about QPR, so let's include them 14-1 to one if you want a bit of an no. outside bet. That's quite, that sounds quite a good bet, actually. No. No. We'll move on. We go down to the bottom of the table where Paul Lambert's Ipswich are one to four to be relegated. Joe Crilly's Bolton are four <laughs> to nine. And that's so that's the dead cert category. And then Reading, unsurprisingly, finish off the favourite three to go down at eleven to ten. I love that it's Paul Lambert's Ipswich and Joe Crilly's Bolton, um, both of which we give equal blame. On to League One then. Listeners, Christmas is just around the corner, which means loads of football and courtesy of our friends at Beer 52, lots of craft beer. Beer 52 is the largest craft beer club on the planet. They search out exclusive small batch booze from the world's greatest breweries and bring them back for their members. This month, Beer 52 is offering up a selection of Bristol's finest light and dark beers, such as Firebrand's Juicy 5.5% New England IPA, the Hazy and Hoppy Kellner Pilsner from Lost and Grounded, and Harbour's Citrusy Ellensburg Session IPA. If that all sounds like your type of thing, sign up now at beer52.com slash league and you'll get eight spectacular craft beers, some delicious bar snacks and Beer 52's award-winning magazine Ferment. All you have to do is pay £5.95 for next day delivery and if you decide that after this free taster that the club isn't for you, there's no catch. You can leave Beer 52 at any time. Just head to beer52.com slash league and enter the offer code league to claim your free case today. That's beer52.com slash l-e-a-g-u-e. League One, let's start at the bottom with Bradford, Wimbledon and Plymouth all winning. How annoying is that? Particularly if you're the three teams above them, Bristol Rovers, Oxford United and Gillingham, who all lost, as did Scunthorpe and Shrewsbury. So now just four points separate the bottom six. At the top, Portsmouth won, Sunderland drew, as did Barnsley, and then just ten points between Barnsley in third and Wickham in twelfth. We will start, though, with a team... On the march, Luton going for a second successive promotion up to fourth as we record this with a 3-1 win at Gillingham could be second as we head into the weekend. Nathan Jones is their manager. Nathan, the only reason we've got you on is because I've predicted Luton to go up this season. So no pressure because Sam Parkin thinks that's the only prediction I'll get right this season. Well, I hope you're both right. Um, I, I really do. I mean, uh, we've, look, we've prepared for the level for a little while in terms of being well-equipped. You know, how far that will take us this year is the only time we'll tell. But look, we're, we're in a good place at the minute. We've got a very, very good environment. The club is, is in a good place. And I said, we've got a group of players that, that want to play for, for the club. Was there a point or has there been a point this season when you thought things have changed? I now see us as promotion contenders. No, not not at all. I mean, look, we—it's been a process. It's been a, a process about two and a half years, probably more than nearly three years now, in terms of building and a timescale to get where we we want to. And every single transfer window, every single month that goes by, 
we've been in a better place with a better team, with a better club. We 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 develop players, we work with them, and and you know obviously getting out of League Two is a big thing because it's very difficult. It's a real intense, brutal league, and we we did that, and we're very proud of that. But we knew we were ready for the level, but then we gauged ourselves early on in the season because we had to go away to Portsmouth, home to Sunderland, away to Peterborough, and. I thought we acquitted ourselves very, very well. We didn't have any points, but we I, I knew then that we were we were capable of competing with the better sides in this league. And that's true, because since those three games, our form has been better than anyone else's. We've had loads of questions for you on social media. This one from Avias says, if you could pick three of your former teammates from your playing career to play in our current Luton team, who would they be? And I'm only asking you that because I know that Adrian Clark. <laughs> <laughs> former teammate is that alongside he'd be, he'd be nowhere near no chance no chance no chance I've got to be honest he probably wouldn't get in my development squad oh, that's outrageous, <laughs> but, uh, that's outrageous. no offence no offence no, no, I'm, I'm kidding hey, I kept um, you on the bench a few times t- that's a real tough question because look I'm very we do a lot of work on our recruitment and uh, our recruit but for, you know for a bit of the candid really I, I would probably say Bobby Zamora definitely um, because the time we had at Brighton with him was, was absolutely magnificent I'd say Chris Cohen, who I played with at Yeovil, who was one of the best midfielders I did and has recently had his career cut short, but is embarking on another career at Nottingham Forest in coaching, um, was a was a real fantastic player. And probably someone that um, uh, Adrian knows well would be Mike Marsh, who uh, we, we, we had at Southend, who was quite frankly a wonderful. And the way we play, he would he would suit us fantastically well. And I think that look, if I if I was to have goes into our squad it would improve us that's not to say we haven't got a very good squad now but I think off the top of my head those three players were were always above the level that that, that I played with them at because I was at full stretch at the, my level but they were always better better than uh, than the level really yeah good calls Nathan uh, Mike Marsh was great wasn't he on and off the pitch uh, always always excellent value um, I remember <laughs> I remember jousting with him at a party on some on, on some kids' bikes, right. um, yeah, he it, it was that kind of lad. It was it was just funny, yeah. Excellent value and a, and a brilliantly talented player. On the subject of recruitment, though, getting back to serious questions, Nathan, what kind of profile do you look for in a in a Luton Town player? We hear a lot of managers, a lot of clubs, they don't even look at players above twenty eight, twenty nine. They they only look at specific types. Are you quite specific, or have you got a broad range? No, we 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 extremely specific in what we do. First of all, we we have a thing called red flags where we don't gamble on injury record, on character and on games played unless they're very young and up and coming. We like people that that have played a lot of games. We like people that uh, that have you know an injury free if you like and and have a good character. That's the first thing we look at. Then, you know, we obviously want talented individuals, people that, that first of all can play for Luton, because it's difficult, it's different playing for Luton and as it is for Portsmouth and Sunderland in this division than it is without being disrespectful to some other teams because there's a real pressure. There's, you know, over 10,000 crowd that are vociferous, that demand, that expect. So it's, you know, we look at character as well, but look, we, we play a certain way. So we want athletic, hungry players that, that can handle the football and, and then the other little things, if you're looking for midfielders, ones that score goals, front men that got good good sort of goal scoring records, people that have been promoted. So there's a, there's a real we go through a checklist really and, and, and try to tick as many boxes as we can. But the things that we don't gamble on are those we say about red flags, which is injury record, which is games played for you know, for someone who of of, of above twenty one they haven't played games, we we'd like to know why. And then character. We don't you know, we've got no bad eggs. We've had a say in here, I can't repeat it on, on on radio or anything or on, on TV, but it's, it's you know how we recruit them, and we don't we don't make any mistakes on character. Just following on from that, Nathan, looking at your your starting team from Saturday compared to the back end of last season, have you brought the average age down consciously? And does that mean that you think that energy and, and pace is more important at League One level than experience? No, look, the only, I mean, we, we've only just brought it down by by sort of Alan Sheehan and and Alan McCormack being out of the side, but they're still integral parts of of our squad but what we did we realised that to play a certain way in the league above because we didn't want to change the way we played in fact we wanted to get better um, we needed we made sure that we strengthened defensively so we, we brought in two centre-halves who you know, we invested heavily on and, and they've, they, we believed that they would provide competition and, and real strength in that area 
And then we added George Grant, and uh, um, which had a fantastic season last year at, at, at Notts County on loan from Notts Forest. So I don't think we've consciously done it. I think what we've we have done. Oh, Danny Hilton's obviously been been out suspended, but so Harry Cornick has been playing, so he's younger than him. So I don't think it's a conscious thing. Look, we we want a young, athletic, hungry squad, but not too young. You know, we need that that bit of experience. Alan McCormack was vital to us the back end of last year, and Alan Sheehan was my first signing here, and has been absolutely superb. He leads the club. He's the club captain. He's brilliant around the place. And even though he hasn't had as much game time as he would have liked lately, he is integral to what we do here at Luton. So, so no, I am consciously done it. We, we want the young athletic side, as I said, and, and we believe we have that. You certainly have. Yeah, I mean, you're playing, playing some great stuff. Really, really fast-paced football, isn't it? On that subject, you mentioned George Grant there. On last, uh, last week's podcast, I just brought up the fact that you, you don't have many loan players. Is a lot of managers sort of almost reserve three or four places for, for loanees to come in and supplement what they have already. Have you deliberately not done that? Do you not want too many loan players on board? We don't want any, if we're honest. Um, but... What we did, we, we identify certain people because we believe we do very good work here. We're very proud of our environment and the work we do. And we believe that everyone moves forward. No one goes backwards at Luton. It's is, is another thing we use. And, and we, we're a developing club. We like to work with them. We like to coach them on a regular basis and then give them the platform to, to excel. Now, we prefer to do that with our own players so that we're not developing other people's players. We're not increasing the value of, of other people's uh, uh, players. Now, at times, we, we tried, without, I don't want to be disrespectful to anyone speak out the term, but we tried to buy George Grant in the summer because he's our only loan signing, and we tried to buy him. Um, but uh, Forrest valued him at something that was, was just out of our reach at the minute. So, you know, we, we, we were convinced that he was the, the right midfielder to bring in. So we, we went against slightly against policy and took him on loan. But no, we, we believe in our work here. So we want to we wanna develop our own players, we want to develop our own young players, anyone that we do bring in, even if, you know, we've, we've done things with, with both players from Premier League clubs, championship clubs for phenomenal fees and increased their value. But they are moving forward with us and we're all moving forward together in God's world. On, on that note, as I said, we've had so many questions, so I'll quickly rattle through these. Don't feel like you you have to be long with them, although, of course, Luton okay. fans would love a lot. Well, I can talk. Oh, they yeah. don't? No, no. I'd, I'd love you to talk. <laughs> yeah, as long as he's chewing your ear off, says Adrian over there. Uh, another Adrian says, losing Unino Kane from his loan spell, that serious injury that he had early on, are you going to dip into the market again in January and our strength in the central midfield positions? Will it be for another position? Oh, look, we we will evaluate what we need. We're, we're having meetings now and, and so on because we what we like to do is every window is is improve and we have done that and you know thanks to the board and to the club that they've they've always backed me not with massive financial financial things but they've, we've always had a process of what we want to do and we've moved and we've done a little bit of wheeling and dealing. We, we don't like to do big sort of big upheaval in the squad, so we just want to add. So I, look, I imagine we will have some sort of movement in, in the window, but it only if it can significantly improve what we have at the football club. Luton I says, how many seasons until you win the Champions League with Luton? And who sang reach out, I'll be there? Same answer, he says, for both. Hashtag four tops. <laughs> Look, we're taking it. I was very cliche. I'd be, I'd be a fool to, to, to some I could answer it candidly or, or jokingly. But look, we're, we're, we're on a journey here and, um, you know, we've made massive strides in, in sort of two and a half, three years. And we sort of, it clearly has to go to John Still as well for obviously getting him out of the conference. But um, obviously, since I've come in, the club of, of, of backed us. We have a new training facility, uh, God willing, a new ground on the way. So we're, we're, we're a, a work in progress and we're, and we're making really, really good strides. And uh, it's a good place to be. So look, if we end up anywhere near the Champions League in the next few years, then look, I'll be a delighted man. Sam, Adrian, last couple with you. Yeah, Nathan, I mean, obviously I was there in the noughties and um, we didn't have our own training ground. There wasn't a gym. There was probably one or two too many bacon rolls floating about. <laughs> How much has the place evolved during your tenure and are the foundations really now in place to you know, make a charge for the championship and getting Luton back to where they belong? It, look, it's a championship club in everything bar, bar the league we're playing. I mean, uh, our training ground is fantastic. I mean, when I came, we were training either way, but the first thing we, we said and we spoke about and we've worked vociferously on is is to change the environment there, the culture, the environment of, of everything that we had to do. And we did. And little by little, you know, we've, we removed certain things. We, we improved what we could on, on with what we had. And then we, we've got a, a, a bit of land and uh, and then we developed that. 
and the club backed that heavily. And now we've got a fantastic new training ground with uh, with, with three full-size pitches, with a brand new 4G, with a fantastic state-of-the-art gym. And all these things are, are conducive to, to developing players, which goes back to our philosophy and what we want to do. And uh, the environment and, and everything has changed dramatically. Now, look, we're, to make the next step or to be uh, a force at the next step, we, we need a new ground, and that's in the pipeline now. So hopefully we can we can get that. But look, since, since I've come here and... Uh, the club has worked tirelessly to improve every single facet and we've, we really are in a good place and we're very proud of where we are and where we've come from and, and obviously where we are. Yeah, no, it's definitely going places. I've got a question. I'm, I'm stealing this one from Dave Scriven who used to work at South End in the press department. He, he, he asks, um, can you still do the Jonesy shuffle? Oh, yeah. Well, we have staff football on a Thursday. <laughs> and to be fair, no matter how much you do it, uh, don't they, tell, they me, don't tell now, me the Luton players are falling for it. Don't tell me they still they're falling. Not Luton players, the Luton analysts and the, and, and the Luton physios are now now having to fall it because we have staff football on a Thursday and uh, uh, on a Thursday afternoon. And, and to be fair, everyone fell for it. To be fair, it's the only trick I ever had. I, I spent 23 years as a footballer, and that was one trick I had. I got myself fit with one trick, and I made a living out of it. And it's still going strong now, but slightly. It's it's people like the, the academy manager and. Uh, and the under-18 coach and the physio now who are falling for it rather than uh, than league right-backs. Hey, hey, that's one more trick than Adrian Clark. <laughs> Nathan, thank you yeah, so much. That for... trick, to be fair, Adrian had a great trick of, of, of going missing in games. He was brilliant at <laughs> it. Just when, just when you needed him most, you, you were looking for him and uh, who knows where he went. I've had enough of this interview. <laughs> <laughs> Hang up on him. Uh, Nathan, all the best of luck with the rest of the season and we will speak to you again soon. Thanks for coming on. Thanks very much and uh, good to speak to you all. Nathan Jones joining us on the Totally Football League show. I've kind of seen his shuffle, but Adrian, you've seen it at close, close quarters. <laughs> quite, quite. You've seen it at close quarters. Uh, <laughs> describe the shuffle for those that are unfamiliar uh, with it. I don't know. Yeah, it's quite a unique one. He, he, he's quick and he, he used to just charge up the touchline. And it's like he... <sighs> I don't know, it's like a double chop. That's how I can do it. You see, he stops and starts again. He swings one foot backwards, then the other one. And honestly, it was... it was we Every every opponent knew it was coming, yet he, he would get away with it every single time. And yeah, it, was, it just made us chuckle week in, week out. And I think he you know, made a thing of it, didn't they, on Soccer AM later in his career. Yeah. So uh, yeah, fair play to him. Uh, he's already told us your trick was going missing. What was your trick, Sam Parkin? Uh, I used to chop so shape to shoot and then hope that the defender tried to block it and went to ground so I'd used to do that and probably one or two times too many for my fellow strikers can can I just say that wasn't my only trick going missing (laughs) 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 my my actual good trick was a really slow drop of the shoulder Chris Waddle style I was was a little bit like Chris Waddle at times it was one of my proudest moments actually when I was an England schoolboy international Uh, Sir Bobby Robson was there he was England manager at the time and he told my parents after the game that he said, I reminded him of Chris Waddle. And, and I was absolutely buzzing at that. I didn't quite live up to the tag, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, a yeah, little shoulder drop. Can we call this week's show, I remind him of Chris Waddle, please? <laughs> Thank you. Just so it's forever ingrained in our memories. Yeah, I might leave, actually. I think you should. I mean, who, how, who are we to be in the presence <laughs> of greatness like this? That was a bit of a name drop, but I don't care. <laughs> I was once told I reminded someone of Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> let's look at the don't just don't <laughs> yeah we all know who's come out of all of this the best waddle the rest of the league one then thank you everyone that got in touch with questions for Nathan Jones if there's one of your managers chairman players you'd like to hear on the show do get in touch and we will endeavour to get them on Luton and the no loaning of players I love so often we probably all sat back and watched our teams you've been in teams where you've seen a load of loan players coming and it can disrupt everything yeah, it can. You have to get your recruitment right in that, in that regard. I've played with some wonderful young players, though, throughout my career. I mean, if we're name-dropping this morning, James Milner, f- for one, at Swindon. And if you get the, the right ones to come in yeah. that are desperate for their first taste, as I was, actually, when I went out from Chelsea, then they can be really important to take your your team in the um, you know further down the ladder to the next level. So. Herbie Kane, at the moment. He's, he's a four rip, and four rip, since yeah, my scouting rip, report. Ripping it up. Unbelievable. <laughs> you got that boy a move. <laughs> uh, anything else we'd like to have a mention in League One? Those big wins 
at the bottom of League One that I was talking about, yeah. which which could prove to be annoying. Bradford two, Oxford nil, Wimbledon two, Southend one, Plymouth two, Fleetwood one. Freddie Ladapo again with two goals as Plymouth beat Fleetwood at home park, so he's got a nine in the league so far, and that has kind of changed things around, shifted things for Plymouth. It has, yeah, and, and fair play because I thought Derek Adams was was, was gone a few, a few weeks back, but every time. Every time that he's on the on the brink, he does pull something out of the bag. It's a good recovery, wasn't it, from from the the tonking they took at, at Luton? Good show of character, really, from them. Ladapo, by the way, it, it just goes to show that you should never write a player off on on the back of one sort of failure because he was at South End last year at the back end last year. He didn't score. He did all right. Had a handful of games, but didn't pull up any trees. They let him go. He ends up at Plymouth and he's, he's the main man. He's got 43% of our goals goals. So they, he is Mr. Indispensable for them at the moment. So just shows sometimes you just need to find the right home. Talking of finding the right home, stat of the weekend. Thank you to Good Brand Stats. Uh, the League One side in Bradford have had half as many managers, four, as they've won league games, eight. And their total of 32 points mean they've won fewer than any other EFL side in the calendar year. Still following. Uh, 19,084 turned up to see that 2-0 win. So that worked because they stuck prices down to just a quid against Oxford. Yeah, I think similar to the, I suppose, the week leading up to a game that Ipswich had in in terms of trying to galvanise everyone. And uh, they got the the right result. Yeah, over 19,000 there. Great atmosphere. One of the best places you can go in the the lower divisions. Paul Caddis, Carl Henry into the, the starting lineup, get maximum points. And Payne with one of the goals ironically, on loan at Oxford mm. last season. He's, I've spoke about him loads on this show. He's their most important player for me. But now, I suppose, different from, from Luton, uh, dropping down their average age, Bradford with a couple of senior statesmen in there to give them a bit of experience. It's still going to be really difficult, but what a great result for them. And Wimbledon 2, Southend 1, still haven't decided on who's going to manage the Dons. At the moment, an important win, but as we said, with Bradford on 14, Wimbledon on 14, Plymouth on 16, Bristol Rovers on 17, and then Oxford United out of those relegation places at the moment on 18, alongside Gillingham. It's so tight. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, I think it was a scrappy game, Wimbledon, Southend. Southend are on a rotten run at the moment. Mm. It's, it's, it's really disappointing. It's taken me by surprise, because whenever I go and watch them, they're, they're, they're really good. But no, it's, it's, it's all gone a bit bit pear-shaped for them at the moment. I'll tell you who I worried for. It's Bristol Rovers. It was a bad weekend for them, wasn't it? Great goal, I thought, from Charlton. The one where Jed steered the keeper. He just lashes it out of his hands, doesn't he? Onto the chest of Jamie Ward, who, who just controls it brilliantly and lobs the keeper. I thought that was... Uh, on a weekend of fantastic goals, I have to say, in the lower leagues, mm. it was one of the best. But on Bristol Rovers, who scored a great one of their own, by the way, from, from Joe Martin, they just... They're not showing any character. I mean... From 1-0 down, they've got zero points this year, which is worrying. And I was reading some of the quotes from from the manager, Daryl Clark, who you might say he's, his head's gone. I don't know, but he's fighting. And, and, you, and you have to applaud him for that. I'll read out some of his quotes here. He says, over my dead body, will I let it go backwards here? He says, I'm at the end of my tether. He describes his players' as, uh, mentalities as soft. And basically he said, there'll be no days off. There'll be double sessions. And the local press asked him, was that a punishment? And often managers will say, no, no, it's just to work harder. He said, yeah, it is a punishment. I'm taking away all privileges from the players until they until they get their act together. So look, he's, he's going for it. He said, I've tried Molly Coddling them. I've tried everything. And now he's gone for the mm-hmm. basic, I'm going to make life hell until you start start winning games. Worth a go. Charlton 3, Bristol Rovers 1. Daryl Clark's been at that club since 2014, so he's taken them back up into the Football League and he knows how much and how important it is for the club to keep at the level they're at at the moment, which means, producer Abby, what to do with odds? So, yeah, that means that Rovers are 2-1 to one to be going down. That makes them sixth favourites, so they've still got a bit of leeway in there. Uh, it's still no change, though, at the bottom, though, as uh, Bradford remain favourites for relegation at 7-2-1. Plymouth are right behind them at 2-1 to one on, and uh, then it's Wimbledon at 10-11. At other... Other end of t- table. Uh, other end of t- t- table. It's uh, Portsmouth who are the favourites at two to one. Barnsley nine to four, and then I thought a bit of a surprise that Sunderland are only third favourites, five to two. And uh, we've been speaking with Nathan Jones. He'll be glad to hear that they are six to one to be promoted. We didn't really mention Sunderland, but that's maybe possibly because Max Power got yet another red card. His third in six 
games. Uh, they did look like they were going to lose their second defeat of the season against Walsall, who went 2 0 up. But then Gidi pulled one back. Mm. Uh, Gooch, the, the late leveller, as well. We, we can keep saying Sunderland are resistant and gritty, but they're being forced into that by Max Power. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he didn't deserve the red. I, I looked at it, obviously, on the TV. And I thought, well, that's not red. No. And then, and then when they analysed it, it was, clearly wasn't. So, so well done the powers that be for for letting him off. I talked about Bristol Rovers from from being one 0 down have got zero points. I think that's in ten or twelve times it's happened. Um, Sunderland from one 0 down eight times, only lost one of them. So that they really are resilient, and that isn't. That's just an awesome result, really, with ten men to come back. Can Can I just ask you, given your refereeing prowess mm. and running the line? Um, <laughs> Are referees and officials keeping an eye on Max Power now? And and do you yeah. have to remove yourself from situations that that might it's, make? You I hurt? think it's less prevalent than if it was if he was a Premier League player. I, don't, it's, I think with high profile players, there has in in the past been a case where referees and officials have prejudged certain characters. I don't think. I don't think that would have happened with Max Power, no. I think it was the reaction, really, of the player and maybe the bench and, and everything. It's sort of, it was one of those coming-togethers where you thought, oh, something really bad must have happened there. I don't even think he'd have looked at it being Max Power, unless you disagree. I don't know, you, you disagree with Sam? Not particularly. No, I think um, possibly a problem, though, for the uh, authorities yeah. retending it. Because if there's one tonight or at the, the weekend, the clubs are going to appeal and they're going to be very despondent if they don't get things overturned now I don't know considering his his history this season you've got to be careful flying in again like that I know it wasn't too bad I think the Walsall managers said as much but yeah I mean I felt for him walking off actually kind of it was kind of a where does he go from here moment so he'll be so relieved that it's been rescinded okay let's go on to league two The leading duo in League Two, Lincoln and Milton Keynes, both dropped points late on. The chasing pack failed to take advantage. Seven points win top of the shop, Lincoln and FGR in 10th. Macclesfield, Sol Campbell. They won 1-0 over Yeovil and Neil Ardley's Notts County, not quite yet, got a point at Morecambe. There was a big win for Cheltenham, who are third bottom, but 2-1 winners over Newport, just closing up that lower third. Sol Campbell. So yeah. just letting it linger. Yeah, it seems like yesterday he was uh, turning out once for Notts County, doesn't it? I don't know. I just well, he's got he's got the experience. Oh, he's got vast experience of losing someone from a corner at Morecambe. I don't know. It's it's difficult, isn't it, when you've been yeah. top player going to what is the bottom club in the football league? Um, does he deserve an opportunity? Maybe, possibly, but I think that's difficult. It's going to be very difficult if he does get that role to, to get any kind of momentum going at a club that, like destined for the National League again this season. So a big risk from, from all parts, but you know he, he'll be desperate to get his first role to show what he can do and then potentially rise up the ladder like yeah. anyone else. Yeah. Ad- advanced talks as we talk on a Tuesday morning. That's yeah. the latest advanced. Well, I wonder what you know what what his wage demands would be there because he won't be able to afford a great deal. I, I guess he just wants an opportunity to prove he can be a manager, and and he'll use it as a stepping stone. That would be the idea in Soul's head. Yeah. Look, he knows the game. He cl- he's he's, a, he's my age. I've known him since he was a, he was a young lad. I've played against him many times. Played with him actually, as well. And he was a brilliant player, but. <sighs> He's never really shown that much appetite to be a, a coach or a, or a manager, he, not, until, not until late. Does he know the league? Does he know I, any I, of the I, leagues below the Premier League? I, I doubt it. I doubt, I doubt he knows it in depth. He, he'll be following it, I'm sure. But um, that, that was yeah. that was always the explained issue over when he went for the Oxford United yeah. job, wasn't it? That, that he didn't have enough mm. knowledge of that and, and Sol is an unusual character. He's a nice lad, but... He's not conventional. He, he he will say some things that will that may may rile players, that may confuse players. Welcome to my world. Yeah, think, exactly. Adrian, we're so. all a bit, we're all different. Yeah. Um. But but I just wonder how he would work in that in that technical area in that dressing room because as Sam knows very well, footballers hang on the words of their managers, and if you muck up, then you can lose a dressing room before you've you've even started. Some of the other results from League Two at the weekend. Cambridge United 2, Berry 2, Carlisle 1, Forest Green Rovers 2, Port Vale 0, Swindon 1. Was that where you were, Sam Bargain? I was indeed. Not happy supporters. Port Vale would probably be the first thing 
I'd like to say. I went down uh, to use the facilities at half-time and I'm used to, you know, going to games up and down the country since I was a kid and hearing the moaning and grumbling. I'm a QPR fan, for goodness sake. <laughs> but these people, oh my God, not happy at all with Neil Aspin. Uh, and the other thing from half-time, before I get onto my critique of the game, are you too familiar with oat cakes mm. in the Stoke region? North Staffordshire oat cakes. Are you familiar with that as a no. football snack? Are they different from the sort of cardboard ones that make your mouth dry? These are half, I read up on it last night, Right. kind of pancake, crumpet, porridge hybrid. Are they any good? I didn't have any. I just oh. saw it on the menu. So I looked up, but it's, it's a Stoke thing. So it's obviously done at Port Vale and Stoke. Cheese and bacon was the offering. Oh, what between two oat cakes? Uh, they're not. They're, they're you listening? They're like pancakes. Yeah. So you put, yeah, but you put it between them too. Uh, yeah, or I would the melt bacon? it on. Yeah, I, I and just, the bacon. I on need there. to visualise it. All right. Is it like? Does it look like a burger or does it look like a pancake? Don't know. I didn't see them. I just saw it on the board and thought, what on earth is that? Because I was thinking, your, yeah. please do your research or your scouting oh, report on oat cake, Sam. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna do it, do it properly. We're on diagrams, know. everything. Neither Pictures. You know. <laughs> no, I was going to ask for one to be sent in, but I'm thinking by the time it gets here. Do you know what? I'm just hopeful that we'll get some Stoke and Port Vale fans educated us now anyway um port vale very very direct um would be the first thing to say yeah very much a game of two halves lots of positives for richie wellens for swindon uh, one in particular that i'd like to highlight scott twine young player knows the game as adrian just said about sol campbell but the other end of the spectrum a young player playing his first football very clever uh, very full of confidence and uh made the goal for adebayo swindon's one second half not a good advert for League Two football. Uh, balls raining in on Swindon's box. Long throws for Leon Leg. Tin hats on. Uh, all the defenders that Richie Wellens could muster from his 18. And they got over the line. But yeah, having Neil Askin turned around their fortunes after that 6-2 home defeat against Lincoln. Yeah. I think it's pretty desperate there again. Yeah, he was being seen as a saviour, wasn't he? And that, that all would be rosy and right. Mm, yeah, I mean... The first half, they counter-attacked not bad. They had a couple of players, Conlon and Whitfield, not not bad, um, joining in with Pope, but it was very direct in the second half. And, and, and Swindon were pretty resolute in everything they did. So a, a huge result for Richie Wellens, but I would imagine uh, Neil Aspin is going to come under pressure again. You can talk oat cakes or anything else? I'd just like to dish out a bit of praise, really. Um, dish out? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, no, well, I no, didn't mean it. Ben Kennedy... Wonderful free kick to win the game. Right at the death of Stevenage against MK Dons. Um, apparently he was sweet-talked into taking it by Michael Timlin. But he'd offered it to someone else. And he said, no, no, you have it. You, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna score here. And he did. It was brilliant. Grimsby's keeper. We haven't mentioned him a lot this year. But almost every weekend, he seems to pull off an absolute world. This is um, James McEwen. Yeah. Uh, he's been around the block, hasn't he? Yeah. He's been there for years now, over 300 games unbelievable season he's having another wonder save at Northampton and Sammy Smodix another player we haven't really mentioned much this year from Colchester really good fizzing drive that's six goals for him for the use from a sort of an attacking midfield position he's a local boy and I think that he and the the forward players there might just drive Colchester towards an unexpected promotion this year yeah, Colchester, as I mentioned, failing to take advantage of those couple of slip-ups at the top. They drew 1-1 with Exeter. Those other games that you mentioned, it was Stevenage 3, Milton Keynes 2. And it was the Northampton game you talked about, 2-2 two, two, two with Grimsby. There's too many twos in there. A look ahead then to what's coming up in the Championship. It is the joy of the FA Cup this weekend, which means the championship is flying the flag for the Football League on its own. Sheffield United take on Leeds, Birmingham face Preston, Blackburn, Sheffield Wednesday, Bolton, Wigan, Derby, Swansea, Norwich, Rotherham, Nottingham Forest, Ipswich, QPR, Hull, Reading, Stoke and Middlesbrough, Aston Villa. Middlesbrough, Aston Villa to conclude things on Saturday... That is a measure of all measures of this weekend for me. Sunday's Bristol City, Millwall, and then Monday, West Brom against Brentford, which once upon a time we could have thought would have been about six all. I think West Brom will have the better of that one. Do you now? Mm. Yeah. You don't? <laughs> no, no, they probably will. No. I was just, yeah, I was just trying to make you feel uncomfortable. No, you don't. Uh, you yeah. don't. Unless, unless you're jousting with me on a bike, then no. <laughs> After ten pints, yeah. It, look, it's the two games I think on Saturday that, that, that sort of bookend it that, that stand out in the championship. I mean, Sheffield 
Sheffield United leads. That's, that's going to be a peach of a game. Yeah. Uh, especially on the back of Wilder being so annoyed at his players. Pablo Hernandez, by the way, I mean, fantastic. I mean, 33s. I, I, he might just be the best player in the in the division. He, he's outstanding, and and yeah, Borough Villa that that will be a gauge. I mean, if if Villa can go there and uh, and get get a victory, then they'll start believing. Not just about the playoffs; they'll be starting to think top two. But you wouldn't want to meet them in the playoffs if if you did, would you? I mean, Aston Villa. I know they've they've been there and done that. But if they are on a bit of a bounce, you wouldn't want to meet them there. Anything for you, Sam, of the parking? Has he left me anything? No. Um, Nottingham Forest Ipswich that's not going to help Paul Lambert is it? Uh, no that's a very difficult game like I said I mean Ipswich just need to keep in touch you know before January the striker issue is a problem I think we all envisage that being a problem having left uh, lost Garner and, and Waghorn and Roberts is playing up there at the moment he's clearly not you know, a focal point in what he's done in his career before. He's not a central striker, really, but he's doing a pretty good job. But Jackson, I know it's got a hat-trick for the second string and then got one against West Brom. Maybe he could be the answer short-term before Paul Lambert, you know, really rolls the dice in January. They need three or four, I think, Ipswich. And and like I said, Forrest going about their business very quietly. Yeah. I think start of the season... We were all thinking, oh, they're going to mirror what Wolves did last year. Hasn't quite happened, but really in their stride now. Got goals, grabbing probably up there with Marriott off the top of my head. Best goal scorers in the division. Thank you, Sam. Thank you, Adrian. Thank you, producer Abby. And thank you to Nathan Jones. Also to you for getting in touch with the show at The Totally Show especially to Barca, Jim, and how many Bananarama songs I'd get in. Only time will tell. Uh, but you know what, Jim? You and I... Maybe the next time will be a love generation. <laughs> Abby just pointed to love generation on my screen. And which one were you pointing to? Uh, more, more, more. Or oh, nah, nah, hey, hey, kiss him. I think I shoehorned those in perfectly. No one will know. Goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com and be sure to check out our other football shows on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Audio Boom, and everywhere else you get your audio on demand. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts, and the downright disastrous defeats. That's a little bit like life, really. And here at the Totally Football Show, we believe we should all support each other the way we support our team, through the good days and the bad. And that's why we're continuing to work with Calm, the campaign against living miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide. On average, 12 men take their own life every day in the UK. So that's your starting 11 and your manager every single day. And part of the problem is that many of us still feel uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and getting support when they need it the most. So if you're worried that someone close to you is having a tough time, check in with them and let them know that Calm is there. Every day from 5pm till midnight, Calm provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. Visit thecalmzone.net to find out more about Calm.